Hey, Michael, this is Tony Taylor calling from uh, White Rock, BC, Canada. Hi, Michael, it's Dawn Berry from Sunridge, Ontario, Canada. Just wanted to touch in and let you know how much I really enjoyed being on your podcast, The Tangled Mind. It was an amazing opportunity to be able to share with your audience, to be able to share with you and to uh, collaborate. And when we do that, it makes a big difference to somebody somewhere in the world. Welcome back to another episode of the Tangled Mind Podcast, a platform that I'm providing people with mental health issues or even family members to come along, talk about whatever they want, whenever they want, and see if we can help other people out from all around the world. Heather, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. No, you're welcome. Just for the listener, um, would you like to just introduce yourself and obviously what it is you do, where you're from, and start off your journey, shall we say? Sure. So my name is Heather Ryder. Uh, I live in Austin, Texas in the United States, and I do work professionally as an anxiety specialist. Um, I'm known as the energy synergist. And I know you're probably going to have lots of questions about my journey, but the very brief story is that I overcame high functioning anxiety while I was working in a really demanding tech job here in Austin. And so um, my anxiety story may be a bit different because I didn't actually know that I was struggling with anxiety because high functioning anxiety oftentimes is really hidden from, from the person who's suffering and from other people. And so that's, uh, the short version of my story. When did the anxiety start for you? Was it earlier in life or was there something that triggered it? I would say that I always sort of had it running in the background, but it was really after I had my first daughter that it started to um, become more prevalent and noticeable in my life. And then after I had my second daughter, it got worse. And then when I went back to work because I was staying home with them, uh, that was a huge trigger for me because at that point I was doing so much and I had always been doing too much. But when I added kids into the mix, it really, really made uh, my anxiety flare up. What then made you go into being an anxiety specialist and obviously helping people out is with obviously their own struggles, shall we say? Right. So there was a many year kind of process in there, but basically what happened is I had a number of really uh, major events happen all at one time. Um, My mom was diagnosed with colon cancer. My youngest daughter uh, got sick. And then at the same time I got sick, I had a very severe autoimmune reaction that was triggered in part by massive stress and anxiety. So the stress and anxiety had always been under, but then those other, um, you know, events happening with my mom and my daughter's health at the same time, like tipped me over. And so, uh, I had my autoimmune reaction took over a year to heal from. And so during that process is when a lot of, uh, ways in which I had been operating, Uh, became apparent to me that I couldn't operate that way anymore. And I just had a lot of self-awareness start to come up and come through about patterns and uh, just ways that I had been being. It just, I literally couldn't operate that way anymore. And so there's, you know, many years story in there, but basically I eventually 
uh, sort of morphed into a different person and became who I am now. And it became really obvious to me that those experiences that I had were actually designed for me so that I could change. And through the change and process of change, I was able to help other people and support them. And so I left that high-tech job and I work now primarily with really high achieving women who are suffering from anxiety, right? They're like a former version of me. A lot of people that I've spoke to that work in any form of mental health, whether it's specializing in anxiety, bipolar, whatever it may be, everybody that I've spoke to have gone into doing it because one way or another, they've dealt with it, whether it's themselves with themselves. And because of the experiences that they've had, they've decided, you know what, it's, it's, it's my time to share my experience, but try and help the other people that are struggling. With anxiety then, obviously I, I do a lot of reading up and a lot of research, and I, I see a lot of different things with different things coming up saying that, like causes of anxiety and what triggers them, shall we say. And one of the things that I actually read the other day, I've got a, a four-year-old daughter, um, and she doesn't talk. She talks, she does, but she's she's very shy. She doesn't like like to sit around and uh, just like talk. She's very clingy and everything else. And I was reading up um, a couple of things, and one of the things that I read about was selective mutism. And when they were talking, when I was reading about it, it was saying that it is a form of anxiety in children because they sort of barricade themselves in that they're. they're they're shy when when they're around other people they don't feel like they can talk anybody that's had anxiety or has anxiety do you think it's something that has been triggered from something happening in their childhood or at any other stage what, what what's because obviously you work it every day i'm not a specialist myself what's been the the main trigger or age type would you say that yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely going to be making a generalization here, right? Because everyone's yeah. really unique. But yes, uh, I would say that what I have seen for sure is that in childhood or adolescence, many people have very significant events and occurrences that happen to them. And that is a big reason why they have the emotional responses that they have that are leading to anxiety and this is what is interesting is I use the word trauma, but I use that loosely. So you could think of like little T trauma or big T trauma, because a lot of the time people don't realize that the events or occurrences that shape them, they wouldn't categorize it as a trauma, but it was a significant event, significant enough when you're a kid, right? That it does become an issue. And it's basically operating um, in the background. It's, it's subconscious. We don't know that a, an event or an occurrence affected us. And so we look back and think, oh, that wasn't that big of a deal. But it is a big deal when you're five, right? Yeah. And so it, those, those things I call, I use the word calcify. It's like the event and the occurrence. We witness it. We make a belief about ourselves or about the world or other people. And it's like a little computer program that starts running in the background. And so it's dictating our behavior. It's dictating our emotional response. And it's completely subconscious. Yeah. 
my mum also does a support group on Facebook called Beyond the Yellow Brick Road. And with her page, she she has a lot of, she's got about four, five hundred people that are in this private group. And, and they just talk about, it's basically a place for them to open up and talk about their experiences and things that they've been through and other people have been through. But even with my mum, I've noticed since since she was probably about 21, 22, um, she was young when she had me. She was only 17 when she had me. But I remember when I was about five, six, maybe, she, her mum was struggling with depression and anxiety um, I my mum now suffers with anxiety, and she's a businesswoman. She do, she does a lot of work with um, doing like a lot of networking groups and stuff like that. And she suffers with her anxiety, but her anxiety is is something that I seem to whether it's something that because I've noticed my mum suffers with. Or, or how she deals with things, I do it the same. But when it comes to like health, if 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 my mum has got, if my mum's not feeling great, or she's got a pain somewhere, or whatever it may be, in her mind, she starts like her anxiety kicks in, and she's panicking that it's something serious, and that's something that I do. And whether it's anxiety, I have no idea. Um, if I'm honest with you, but yeah for me when i'm panicking and things like that it's it's more down to worrying that i've got something wrong with me and i've got a young family and am i gonna die and things like that it's there's a manner of things so i i, I believe in some way i'm struggling with my anxiety but i've not i've not thought about it if that makes sense for the people that don't feel like they can contact the doctors or speak to the family, what advice would you give them to obviously try and help them with dealing with their anxiety? So if I could just go back and, you know, make a comment about what you had said about you not knowing if you have anxiety or or not, that's something that I hear from people is that they don't think that they have anxiety because they think that anxiety looks like a specific thing. Maybe they think people who have anxiety are having panic attacks or can't function or, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what it is that's in their mind. And that's part of why I didn't recognize that I had anxiety because it was a very specific type, high functioning. I was extremely functional. And in fact, my anxiety in a lot of ways made me very successful because it was pushing me and propelling me in my career and other areas of my life. And so I do want uh, people to know there's, you know, stress, like situational kind of stress, but anxiety is where it's a chronic perpetual kind of thing that is showing up in your life and that how it quote unquote shows up looks very different for other people. And so maybe you have stress, um, excuse me, anxiety related to 
like illness is a trigger for you. Like you just said like, oh my gosh, what if I get sick and then I can't take care of my family and you know, and then you kind of spiral. And so it may be that you just have anxiety related to health issues and that's the only way that it shows up for you. So people just kind of need to notice this. If it's a chronic perpetual thing, it is probably anxiety. Um, And so I do believe that uh, your question was if people aren't able to go to a doctor and they want to do some self techniques, um, what can they do? Was that your question? Yeah. Just any advice. So obviously if they're, if they feel like they can't talk to the doctor or talk to the parents or whoever it may be advice for what they can do to try and help themselves. Obviously the best, the best thing for them to do is reach out and, and get the help that they need from specialists. But at the same time, if they can't, it, what would you advise them to do? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of techniques that people can use. And I actually want them to start at the very, very basic building block. And from what I have found, people who have anxiety um, are not, understanding their emotions they're not able to recognize their emotions and they have been shoving their emotions down for so long that they don't even realize that they're doing it and so some of the core basic steps is to have what i call an emotional vocabulary so it's to uh, be able to number one recognize that you're feeling something And then number two, be able to name it. And there's lots of uh, worksheets that are out. If you Google search like emotional vocabulary, you'll just find lists of words that are descriptions of feelings because feelings are nuanced, right? It's not just mad. You could be anywhere from peeved all the way up to like irate, like on a scale and mad might be closer to like say irate and peeved is way below. Right. So there's distinctions in how we're feeling on um, a scale. And so I definitely recommend that people get these emotional vocabulary sheets and even print out a number of them, let's say seven of them. And at the end of the day, every day, circle what they felt that day. And then after seven days, you're going to notice some patterns emerge because it's not just what you circle, it's what you didn't circle. Yeah. And so you can start to think, how come every day I'm feeling this thing? Why? What was the situation? And so uh, that's like a great building block. But then also what I have really noticed, another thing is that when um, we're feeling an emotion, there is a body cue that is letting you know you have an emotion to process. So it's really common for people with anxiety to have a lot of chest pain or jaw pain or pain in their stomach. And so when you have an emotion that needs to be processed, you've really got to be tuned into your body. Like, oh my gosh, my throat's feeling really tight right now. Why? And then you realize, oh, my throat is feeling tight because, and then it's because you're feeling something. So once you have the words to express that, because you've done the emotional vocabulary work, then you can start to notice, okay, every time I feel, you know, fill in the blank, my throat gets tight. So it is this really, um, like it, you have to be committed to do this. It's, it is like a process because if you've been shoving your emotions down for a long time, you're totally not aware of the body sensations and you're, you don't even recognize what emotion you're feeling. 
But these are some very basic building blocks that people can do, start to really notice their body as a cue for their emotion, and then tie a word, an emotional response to the body sensation. And they're going to, people will start to have some pretty big shifts if they do these like fundamental, like core kind of things that I'm describing. I think that it, that's great advice because obviously there is people that, like I say, they they won't feel like they can go to the doctors because they they potentially feel like they're on their own. They don't really no they they may feel like there is nobody else going through the same thing. But obviously with with those techniques and obviously sticking at it and obviously not just doing it once and then stopping, hopefully that will get them onto the right path where they feel comfortable enough to then reach out for that, their help should they still need it. One, one of the things uh, I was going to ask you is obviously for the listeners benefit and everything else, where would you say is the best place to obviously read upon it and on the different types of anxiety? Is there any, specialist places that you can contact if you need any help obviously i know you do it yourself uh, and people contact you what's your have you got a website what what's your platform do you use where people may be able to contact you yeah so my website is the energy synergist.com and i regularly blog about uh, anxiety. I, of course, have a Facebook page, you know, both personal and um, my business page. And I don't really have a recommendation um, because people like to get information in different ways, right? Like people who are listening to your podcast are probably podcast listeners. Other people really like to read. They like to hold a book in their hands. Other people, like you mentioned, your mom's uh, Facebook support group. Other people really need to be talking to other people. So I think the best approach for someone who's looking for some support is to figure out what's the way that is probably the best fit for them. Do they want to listen to something? Do they want a workbook? Do they want to be able to chat regularly with other people? Do they want to see a therapist? Do they want to have a non-traditional approach that's not a therapist like me? And so that is um, like a good question because if we make a recommendation for somebody and it's not a good fit for their personality, they're not going to do it. Yeah. Well, I think what what you're doing is, and, and obviously the support you're giving out and everything else, I think is amazing. For anybody that is listening to this program, obviously there's there's been a lot of really good, obviously, information come down, obviously, on the podcast from Heather. If you are struggling and you do need any help, you can always contact myself and I can put you in the right direction, point you in the right direction to where maybe the best place to get help. No, I'm not a doctor. No, I'm not a therapist, counsellor, or whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm somebody that is passionate about all the different types of mental health and wanting to help others. But at the same time, I'm sure that Heather would be happy for you to contact her should you need to, just to, whether it's just to speak and find out any more information. 
I personally obviously just want to say thank you to yourself, Heather, for coming on and obviously talking to us about um, what it is you do. And obviously, yes, you 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 suffer with that mental um, mental. You suffer with anxiety yourself, and obviously now you've gone into doing obviously your you specialising in it. But for for myself and everybody else that will be listening. I, I just want to say, obviously, again, thank you for coming on and sharing the information and the different ways that mental uh, mental health and the anxiety can be affected in different people. Well, I appreciate you and I appreciate the show and uh, you, you know, being out in the world as a resource for people. So this is amazing work. Today.